0: Have you ever had one of those mornings? (laughs) One, (laughs) mine started out with as I started getting ready to come, the shoelace on my shoe broke. I quickly tied it together the best I could, and it keeps coming untied. And as I got here and as I prayed through the facility and walked around, I realized that I was feeling a draft at the back of my pair of pants. (laughs) Realized that there was a side of me that you just didn't need to see. (laughs) So as I Told my prayer partners who were going to pray over me. They were all hovering around. It was the most prayer partners I've had in a long time. They were all ready to pray over me. I said, pray as I rush home to put on a new pair of pants. Um, I pull out of the parking lot. I'm heading down the road at the right speed. I'm not speeding. I'm heading at the right speed. A lovely elderly gentleman pulls out in front of me at five miles per hour and proceeds to drive at five miles per hour per hour. And uh, finally I get to go around him and uh, get, get home. My wife asked me an innocent question. Ah, ah, I'm panicked. I run down. I find the right clothes. I get, we get, get home. I rush back. I, I, get, I get here. And then as Scott begins the worship, I realize the glasses I had on the front pew are now missing. And um, I can't read without my glasses. So the, if you find a pair of dollar store glasses around here, they're probably mine. So fortunately, I keep a spare in my mouth. Have you ever had a day like that? <laughs> well, that leads us to the word of the morning. Bedlam. <laughs> Great word, huh? Kids, do you know what bedlam means? Bedlam. This is going to be a word that your parents now can use with you. It means a state of noisy confusion. Chaos. Out of control. It's a word that means when your parents walk in and say, this place is bedlam, you now know what it means. Bedlam, out of control, nothing is going to plan. It's just craziness. Did you know that's also a word that has a Christmas background? Did you know that? For you see, in jolly old England, there was a group of monks. And these wonderful groups of monks had a monastery, and they wanted to bring joy To people, and they thought, How can we minister? How can we love? How can we bring peace to this world? We will create a hospital and we will call it St. Mary's of Bethlehem. And it will be the hospital of St. Mary's of Bethlehem. Why? Because silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright you know we sing about oh little town of bethlehem how still we see thee lie (sighs) bethlehem a place of peace and they were thinking back to that little town Well, they started it as a hospital, and it's probably, as I understand, either the oldest continuous operating hospital in the world or one of the oldest continuing hospitals in the world. It's literally operated for hundreds and hundreds of years. However, they decided to make it a hospital for the mentally ill hundreds of years before they knew how to help the mentally ill. And so it became pretty much just a place to house the mentally ill. And because they didn't know how to help the mentally ill, they mistreated the mentally ill. And so it became a place of screaming and pain. It became a place of chaos and confusion. And so this place that was supposed to be a place of peace became, oh, where are you going? Well, we're going to Bethlehem. And then Bethlehem became Bethlehem. And Bethlehem became Bedlam. See how the word changed? And so Bethlehem, the place of peace, became Bedlam, the place of chaos. How many of you would say Peace, chaos. My heart is probably more like bedlam this Christmas than it is like Bethlehem. Though, think about it. That first Christmas, that first Bethlehem wasn't really a place of peace, was it? We kind of romanticize it, don't we? Think about it. You've got hundreds and hundreds of people coming to this really tiny town. I mean, it's a town that would have made Buffalo look like a major metropolitan place. And they're coming in and they're hungry and they're dirty and they're they're grumpy and they're trying to find a place to stay. And they're jostling each other and they're pushing each other. And here we have this little lady on the back of a little donkey perhaps with her husband trying to find a place for her to have a baby, and no one really cares. And so finally, someone gives them a cave. They take her to a cave with bleeding sheep going me meh. And in this very Unsanitary place in a manger, she gives birth. And then all these smelly, noisy shepherds show up, going, We saw angels. She's going, Are they crazy? What's going on? I don't know about you, but that sounds more like Bedlam to me than Bethlehem of the hymn. How about you? Sounds a little bit like noisy confusion. And think about it. Think about those those angels. They're rejoicing. They're worshiping with reckless abandon. It's no wonder the angel had to tell the shepherds first not to be afraid. And then, here's what the Scripture says. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace on whom His favor rests. So there's noise. There's pain. There's hurt. There's struggle that first Christmas. And yet, there's joy and peace. Sound familiar? You say, Pastor Greg, it's not that this Christmas is bedlam, it's bedlam is my state of life. There's a lot of confusion in my life. Our journey of joy and peace this season, or our journey of joy and peace in our life, is not separated from the reality that life is a journey, but that peace can happen in the midst of that life with all of its noise, with all of its chaos. So my question for you this season is, what are the struggles that are weighing you down? What is the anxiety and stress that is stirring up in your, your spirit that's bringing chaos? Maybe those pressures and problems are external. Maybe they are internal. Maybe they're battles of the heart. May or they are conquests of the soul. My question to you is this. Are you willing to open up your heart this season? Are you willing to seek God's peace even in the midst of your struggle? Because this journey of peace, this journey of peace is an appropriate journey for us today. Yes, the ancient world must have felt uncertain that first Christmas, but our world today has just as much violence and just as much. Uncertainty and the pressures of our daily lives barrage us at an unparalleled pace. Our world is in a desperate need of peace, but it is a world where the Prince of Peace has walked and has understood. He's come. He's present. And His peace is available today. First of all, it's available because He's in the midst. I want you to get this. When I think of peace, I think of a hymn. It's an old hymn. I, I grew up Baptist, I, I, you know, I, so we, we sang hymns, you know. And one of the hymns we sang goes like this. And if you know it, sing it with me. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way; when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught thank you for singing with me because you really didn't want to just hear me. We sing that and we go, wow. Nice hymn. But really? It is well with my soul? Well, let's go back into the story behind the hymn. A guy named Horatio... What a name. Any of you expecting parents, if you want, Horatio is available. I haven't I, I met very many Horatios. In fact, I've, I've never dedicated a Horatio. But Horatio Spafford, he had five children. One of them died of pneumonia. Horatio had to go from the United States to England, so he sent his wife and children, remaining children, ahead. And they got on their steamer and they went across the Atlantic. And while they were on journey, the boat they were on, the ship they were on, was struck by another ship. And then two hours later, their ship went underneath the waves. They found Horatio's wife clung with unconscious clinging onto some wreckage, his four children perished that day. She was able to be rescued. She was able to cable a, a response. The response was this Only I am alive. Now, grief stricken, not just losing one child, but now losing all five. He steams to England to meet with his bride to, to try to comfort her. As they're steaming across, the captain calls him up to the, to the deck of the ship and he points out, he says, this is where the coordinates say that your children died. He excused himself from the captain and went down below. And that's when he started writing. It is well with my soul. You see, what makes that so powerful, so strong, is that it was not... Apart from, it was not separated from circumstance, but it was written in the midst of painful circumstances. The words were not written by someone who was enjoying life on Easy Street or sitting just underneath a, uh, on the beach enjoying a fruity drink. But it was by someone who found peace, deep, authentic peace, in the midst of heartache. You see, often we think of peace, we think of it as the absence of hardship or trouble or violence or fear. But this hymn, it makes it so beautiful. It captures this journey of peace because it's not immune from those things. In fact, often they are central to that story. In this journey of peace, we learn that peace is not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence of God. Did you capture that? For you and I, friend, it is not the absence of trouble, it is the presence of God. One of my favorite stories has to do with Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is exhausted. I mean, he is so tired. And he goes, Guys, we're going to go across the lake. And so, what I need you to do is, I'm going to go down and take a nap. Leave me alone. Just let me sleep. And so he goes to the bottom of the boat. He is sawn logs. He is out cold. Sleeping. a storm comes up. And these hardened fishermen like James and John and Peter, they are scared spitless. They are sure that the boat is going under. And so they, they finally... They've done all they can do. They rush down. They wake Him up. Jesus, Jesus, we're going to sing. Don't you care? Jesus gets up. Goes to the back of the boat. Remember what He does? Goes to the back of the boat. Kind of wipes the sleep from His eyes. He looks at, the, looks at the storm and He just says, Peace, be still. And the winds and the waves cease. And the disciples marvel. They're amazed. Why? They said, who do we have with us that the winds and the waves obey Him? You know who they have? They have God with them. They have the Son of God. They are in the presence of God. Oh, friends, the reason why you can have peace in the midst of the storm is because of who is with you. Because sometimes He's going to let the storm continue. But you still can have peace. Sometimes He's going to let you walk through the angry waves like He did with Peter. But you still can have it. It'll be your spirit that is still. Not the storm. Sometimes we need to take such a pause. Sometimes we need to acknowledge the fact that our lives are far from peaceful and the eternal peace promised at Christ's second coming is still not realized. We live in this tension of Yes, but not yet. But He's coming. Peace. Be still. Why could Jesus command the wind and the waves? Why would they obey? Because they had bowed before Him as God. They recognized Him as King. And I have a question for you this Christmas season. Have you realized He's not simply a baby in a manger, but the King of glory? Have you realized that the One who came to bring peace between God and man is Jesus Christ? And He brought peace. He brought peace first. Right in the center of our hurt and frantic striving. He brings peace through the power to cease the noise, calm the storm, overwhelm our hearts with His perfect peace because he is the prince of peace that leads us to our second point this morning the prophet isaiah's words reveal something very important about peace for unto us a child is born for unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace friends Peace is not a feeling or a state of being. Peace is a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Throughout Jesus' life, His work on the cross, His teaching, we see that peace comes from the person of Jesus Christ. It started when Jesus was sent into the world. We were at war with God. Sinful nature made us enemies of God. And so Jesus came, and through His death, burial, and resurrection, He dealt with our sins so that we can be reconciled or made friends with God. Let that soak over you. The work of Jesus Christ brings friendship with God. And so we start there. He deals with our greatest need the making things right between us and God the Father. And once that is done, He teaches us then how to have ongoing peace, which is found when we learn how to abide in Him, when we abide with His peace by abiding with Him. And when we abide with Him, we learn to trust Him, and we learn to trust God with the unpeaceful parts of our lives. And then we find ourselves transformed within. This is what Mary experienced. Here she is in the midst of that incredible birth. She's had the baby. And now notice what it says in Luke 2 19. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary's life had not become more peaceful, if anything, had gotten crazier with the announcement of her miraculous pregnancy and the birth of this new baby but she's learning to trust the One who is in control. And when we surrender our control, when we surrender our need to be in charge to the Prince of Peace, we find rest in Him. The inner and outer chaos, the anxiety, the noise, the business of life may not change, but we can experience peace when we trust the One in control. So my question for you is this. Where do you need to surrender? What do you need to surrender this Christmas season? Will you take to heart the psalmist's words, be still and know, I am God. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, let's take a typical day. Let me start you out. Number one, start each moment of your day. Take the start of your day and read the words of the Scripture and can pray with God, converse with God, and align your day. Pause during the middle of your day, and repeat the truth of the Scriptures. Retreat the truth of the Bible as a reminder. And use that truth to realign your heart. Kneel before the source of peace, Jesus Christ. Acknowledge Him as your King and yield to His leadership in your life, which brings peace. Number three, peace for the world. Jesus came as Prince of Peace and we can abide in Him and Experience peace in our souls. But we know that peace doesn't always come to the world around us. As we look at our world and read the daily news, we realize how desperate our world is for peace. We see countries at war, refugees far from home. Our neighbors are hurting. There's violence in our communities, there's anger in our families. We continue to live in a place of tension between the past, the present, the future, a place in a broken world still churning and reeling until God completes his restoration. And against that setting, our path may not look like much of a journey of peace as we look toward a near Christmas. Jesus has brought peace to this world with His arrival. He continues to fill us with peace through His Spirit, but it's not until He comes again that our world will experience complete and perfect peace. So what do we do now? How do we experience peace now? How can peace be the brightest how can peace come out how can it make sense well friends i want to share with you how the bible tells to experience god's peace and a peace that's beyond understanding many of you have gone through hard times many of you have gone through things that are heartbreaking and yet you've had peace and those around you go i don't get it How can you be at peace with what's going on? And you followed what I'm about to say. I remember times that Donna and I would be at our wits end and we would follow the Scriptures and, and people would look at us and go, how are you so peaceful at this? And we would go, it's not from us. So let me share with you the secret. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, go to God. Have a relationship with God. Go to Him in prayer. Talk with Him. Be with Him. Soak in Him. Allow Him to be with you. Notice how many situations he's talking about in every situation not just when things are hard. You see, often we uh, view God as the uh, emergency box. Can I share something with you? We had a game at Strathmore Elementary School. We had this little box. had a sheet of glass in front of it. And it had this little lever that You would take, and if you brought it up to the top, you could let go, and it would hit the glass. Now, it had a little thing on it that would make it bounce. And so the game was to just drop it and let it bounce. And we would play to see how hard we could do it without breaking the glass, because if we broke the glass, it would set off the fire alarm. I forgot to mention my dad was a 7th grade teacher at Strathmore Elementary School. It was a K-8 school. So we're playing this wonderful game. And each one of us are playing. And one of my buddies got up there and he hit it pretty good. And he's doing this. Top that, guys. Top that. I'll top that. (laughs) Did you know when you do it too hard, glass breaks? (laughs) And did you know fire alarms are really loud at schools? And did you know when you have a volunteer fire department in a small town, and everybody knows who you are, and everybody knows who your dad is, and the principal goes to your church, you can get in trouble really fast. I mean, the principal comes running out. What's going on, Mr. Johnson? It was me. What did you do? I was playing with a fire. (laughs) And of course, all my buddies were like, (laughs) to my office. My dad had a rule. Whatever happens to the office, twice as much when you get home. (sighs) Mr. Johnson, please just kill me in the office (laughs) because I don't want to go home. fire department comes up all the volunteer guys get off the truck guys are pulling in with their four-wheel drives fire at the school no brawley did it (laughs) Well, we'll have a little talk with brawley Problem is, that's how we view prayer. Prayer's just for emergencies. Yeah, I'll do it myself until I really get in trouble and I'll hit that emergency switch and then God will come running like an emergency fire department. Yeah. What does that say? But in every situation, Do you know why we struggle? Because we don't practice with the little things. And because we don't practice with the little things, we're not ready to handle, hand over the big things. So friends, are you hanging, handing over the little things? Or do you think He's just an emergency call box? by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your with thanksgiving why because it reminds you how big god is and it reminds you of what he's already done you see we forget the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus did you catch that It transcends all understanding. When God's peace captures you, anyone else looks at you and goes, either A, you're crazy to be at peace, or B, we don't get it. Why are you at peace? You should be freaking out. You should be in bedlam. You should be panicking. Why? Because I've got the presence of God. And if I've got the presence of God, I don't have to panic. You see, that's why our faith will never make sense to the atheist. Our faith will never make sense to the agnostic. And our faith will never make sense to anyone just playing church. It won't work. Because it's the person who, in every situation, seeking a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his reconciliation, will have that peace. And it won't make sense. But let's go on. Maybe that's the paradox of prayer too. So often we'll come to God and we'll ask Him to change our circumstance or change our situation and change those around us. Sometimes He does, but you know what He normally does? He changes our hearts and He changes our perspectives. And as we pour out our hearts and connect with Him, we're able to see a little more clearly. And He begins to transform us and He makes us a little bit more like Him. And so we trust Him a little more and we're a little more confident in His ability to handle things no matter what. And we settle into His peace and His goodness and His faithfulness because He becomes our peace. And that's what Jesus promised when He left this earth. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, He told His disciples. I do not give you peace Give to you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. They weren't empty words. They were rooted in reality. A deeper reality than the harsh conditions that Jesus' followers faced at the time. And Jesus knew the new realities they would have to face. Jesus knew that there was a lot to fear from the threats of Herod to his death by crucifixion. Jesus spent his whole life with people out to kill him. He knew that there was much suffering in store for his followers, yet he told his disciples and he tells you and I today, do not be afraid. Why? Because he knows the end of the story. He knows that no matter what troubles us and causes us fear right now, in the end, His peace will overcome all. And it will sustain us through our difficulties, which will be great. But they're also momentary. And we have the peace of eternity. So, friends, in, as we journey towards Christmas, you can trust that the promise for ourselves and for our world, you can trust that we will experience peace because we know the One who we put our trust in that He is faithful and He is true. And His peace was prophesied long before His arrival. Isaiah 26.3 puts it this way. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Why? Because they trust in You. And as we've seen, He delivered to us His unfaithful Failing promise as Prince of Peace. You say, Pastor Greg, I'm still going through the storm. May I leave you with this thought? There was a little boy. He was in a shipwreck. And his ship began to sink and he was thrown into the ocean. And that ocean whipped him onto a rock. And all night long, he clung onto that rock until he was discovered and rescued the very next day. And those who rescued him asked, I bet you trembled all night long while you were on the rock, right? And He said, oh yes. I trembled. I shook all night long. But you know something? The rock didn't. When the storm crashes around you, and when all you can do is tremble, may I remind you to cast yourself on the rock of ages. Place yourself on the rock that does not move. The rock that does not tremble. The rock that will stand firm for you in the midst of every storm. The rock. The Prince of Peace. Jesus. Christ, our Lord. Amen.